You know what's great? A nice sitcom. 22 minutes, if you're able to watch it online, streaming on Netflix or binging on Netflix. You can sit down, maybe eat lunch, maybe not, just really quick. Have a nice uh, TV episode. It's entertaining. It's good. It's short and sweet. They're written to be short and sweet, and they still get the complete story out. That's not always what you want. You don't always just want to sit down for 22 minutes. Sometimes you want to get out the Lord of the Rings box set, the complete extended edition, and do like a 12-hour marathon with your friends and with a bunch of food and uh, and drink and, uh, you know, spend the whole day in pajama pants watching movies like that. And of course, there's always everything in between. But what today we're talking about is longer games. I don't know what we'll call the episode, but it's games that are an hour or longer. So yes, bust out the chips and the pop and the beer and call the pizza because this game is going to take a little bit longer than your quick uh, filler games that come in between. Uh, so yeah, for this week, uh, welcome to Menagerie. This is Jake. Oh, you ruined it, but this is Luke. And you're listening to our board game podcast. Menagerie. How are you? I was good. Then you had to mention Lord of the Rings and say that we actually wanted to sit down and watch 17 billion hours about a little guy who's going to drop a ring in a volcano and that faints all the time. We'll watch the box set of Back to the Future, and we'll get to the end of the second one and say, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. First and second are pretty good. But the third one is enjoyable, too, if you didn't watch the exact same story twice before. <laughs> so, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but still, the idea uh, for me for this list is comparing that to a TV show versus a movie or a couple of movies, because I know where this list is going to go for you, Luke. I how how, about, how about The Godfather? There you go. You know, think pick your pick your favorite trilogy. You know, all nine Star Wars movies back to back to back to back, except for all the first three ones. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And the last one. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that was <laughs> almost worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, I don't think so, but it was bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. It's bad writing. It's bad writing. Oh, Palpatine is back. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, it's not really a spoiler. That happens in the first five seconds. So <laughs> nice. So, uh, Jay, have you played something recently? Oh, Luke Deluxe. Have I ever played something recently? You know, first, what I will mention is I beat last night Super Mario Odyssey on Nintendo Switch. Oh, nice. So, nice. for our, our uh, video game friends out there, uh, I played it. It is a fantastic Super Mario. There's so much still left for me to discover. And I didn't dilly-dally either. I didn't, or sorry, I, I didn't rush it either. I dilly-dallied. I, I kind of like stuck around yeah. and I I would grab a couple extra moons and I'd enjoy the levels. And then when I felt like I was ready, I left. And I always had more than the minimum. And then when I saw how many moons there are, I don't know if they've added a bunch of new ones because I haven't gone in and looked, but... 
I was like, oh my gosh, there's that many moons. But um, I guess that has a lot of value to the game. So you can always go back and play more and, 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 and get, get a lot of time out of it. It's an expensive game and people like getting their money's worth. So that's a great uh, video game. So if you haven't played it, play it. It's my favorite uh, Mario game of all time. No, it's actually a super good game. It's kind of funny because when I got my Switch at first, uh, I play, uh, of course, I'm like, I think the best games ever made on, like, a video game ever made, whatever the version you want is Zelda. Uh, and so I played Zelda over and over and over again. And, but I did, I did own Mario Odyssey at the same time. So when I started playing it, I didn't really, it's kind of funny, like the first few plays I didn't like for some reason, and I stopped playing for about like two or three weeks, and then when I jumped back in it, I couldn't stop, I couldn't put it down, put it down. Um, it's very interesting, I, th- I feel like the the part where you're in a city, and you're with actual, like, real looking people is kind of, yeah. kind of weird for Mario, but it, it was, it was nice. I think it worked. The New Donk City I was, was kind of cool. One of my favorite levels. I also really loved the um, ruined uh, universe or the ruined kingdom. I was sad that there wasn't more to do there because I liked the darkness and whatever. But really cool. Uh, I know we don't talk about video games on this uh, on this uh, podcast. Oh but, yeah, we do. Um, yeah, we do some t- from time to time. And I it took me a while to finish it. I started about a year ago and then I put it down for a while, months and months. And then I said I'm gonna pick up my switch again and start playing so more switch games on the horizon now you have to choose what the next one is oh um, i'm playing hades in, right now which is pretty cool i've heard it's fantastic i own it i bought it a good buddy of mine told me that i had to get it so it might be the one that wins pretty cool game um from the board game world what did i play this week well i played speaking of new donk city i played santorini new york oh nice um, uh how's that is it is it almost like the original one or is it very different there are similarities, and yet there are still differences. So um, if you've played Santorini in the past, you know that it is a kind of a tic-tac-toe uh, on steroids, so to speak. You can play it or the original without having any extra special powers, which is that there's a grid. You're trying to climb up and build these buildings, and the first one who can go from level two to level three, well, they, uh, they win. And so you are constantly watching what your opponent is doing and making sure that they're not getting that last perfect move. Hence the tic-tac-toe. It's very much a tactical game and you're, you're slowly trying to build these buildings. All you do is move your dude, build a piece, move your dude, build a piece. And if you're able to move from second to third floor, you win. How do you block that? You put a roof on it. That's the classic Santorini that Luke uh, has. I'm pretty sure you still have a copy of it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Great game, fantastic two-player game. Says it plays up to four on the box. I would disagree. Uh, I've never played a three-player variant. I can't imagine it being good. But they do add like god powers, which is kind of cool with the Greek theme and all that, and that's cool. This game is interesting because uh, it uses some of that. There's a certain um, there's a certain way that if you can step from the second to the third floor, again you would win. But on top of that, you have to have another condition met, which means you have to have the um, Statue of Liberty in your hand. So how does this work? How does the game work? Everyone has cards. It's not just uh, playing like tic-tac-toe where we each take turns. It's not a tug of war. It's much. It's got this uh, simultaneous hand selection mechanic. So I have five cards. There are four different roles that are used every game. The game comes with a ton of different roles in the box, um, but there are four that are used. And each role has a bunch of cards of a uh, series of numbers, anywhere from 1 to 17, 18, 19, 25, I think is the high, highest it goes. Um, 
and everybody's dealt five cards at random. So you could have two that are purple and one that's blue and one that's green and one that's yellow, whatever, some sort of distribution. Uh, and they each have unique numbers written on it. And the way that they've distributed the numbers on the cards is that there's no doubling between the colors, uh, but there's a little bit of, you know, they're slowly, you know, red has, or blue has 18, purple has 19, green has 20. So they're, they're similar numbers, but there's never a doubling. So no matter who plays what card, there will be somebody who has the highest and the lowest uh, and numbers in between. So we all simultaneously select the card we want to play. We place it face down. We flip it over. Uh, and whoever has the highest number will uh, play last. And they also get to have the Statue of Liberty uh, little miniature that they hold on to for that turn. Um, the There's only one winning condition that you don't need the Statue of Liberty. And that's like if people lose their players for a stupid rule that I'm sure that never happens. Um, and so the Statue of Liberty uh, and they play last. So the lowest card will play first and then the last card will play last and they the highest card will play last and they've got the Statue of Liberty. So you either have to go from level two to three while holding the Statue of Liberty or you need to build a roof on the third floor while holding the Statue of Liberty. So it's pretty interesting because the card play actually adds an element that's super interesting for me because one of them is all about movement. One of them is all about building more or, or different pieces. One is all about having the Statue of Liberty and building the roofs uh, and then also building these kind of skyscraper, uh, which is really cool. Um, and I, I just think that it's, it's got the similar mechanic where you've got a grid. It's a little bit lopsided, the grid. It looks a, a, a bit like the, you know, Manhattan Island. Uh, and it's, it's not just that square grid that came with the original game and it's less tactical. Yes. You're still thinking, okay, if he does that, then he can get to the third floor. If he does that, then he'll build here. Oh, if, if I let him stay there, then he's going to build the roof. Here's the difference. It plays two to five and I've not played it with more than two because of current uh, lockdown conditions, but I would wager that this version of the game is a much better multiplayer game because the, the nature of it is if there's three people playing and the lowest person starts and they see the third person has the Statue of Liberty and they're standing beside a building where they could potentially win, the other players will have to act and do what they can to stop them. Uh, and I think that would create for a very interesting yet chaotic uh, multiplayer experience and would make this game better at three, four, five. I thought it was great at two. It was fine. I'm going to keep it because I want to have a version of Santorini in my collection. Uh, but I, I don't think that um, it, it shines at two. It's, it's, it's probably better at three. And I could see four being good and five probably getting really chaotic because how do you get anything done? Everybody's just trying to block the leader. Or at five, you probably have people that are like, let's block the leader. And then people like Sasha that are like, yeah, let's block the leader. And then he lies and doesn't do that, but just does his own thing to help his own <laughs> cause. So that must be very chaotic and, and fun. Uh, it's cool. I suggest it. It uh, the, the components are of pretty good quality. I liked the cards. They had kind of a silk screen effect to them. The plastic pieces are nice. Not as cool as the ones that come in Santorini because they're kind of three different sizes that build the, the buildings. Um, they're more generic than that. But what is cool is the little Statue of Liberty to um, token is awesome. Uh, and it, it looks like their graphic design style in the on the token. And... Um, They've got these plastic 
skyscrapers. There's about six of them, and they're famous uh, buildings in New York City. You've got the Chrysler Building and the Empire State Building, the Woolworth Building. You've got the Flatiron Building, uh, Rockefeller Center. I can't remember the sixth one, but there's there's these very famous buildings. So it's cool. You really do feel like you're building New York City while you're doing it. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I suggested if you've never played Santorini, um, I think it's still worth trying this one. And if you really love Santorini, I think it's different enough that it's worth it to give it at least a try. Um, and these, these player powers are, are no longer... I have one player power the whole game. It's we all have all four player powers and you need to be cognizant of what is happening around the map and who's doing what and who's moving where in a slightly different way than in the original. Uh, so yeah, I think it's pretty good. That's Santorini, New York. And the designer's Canadian. Oh, I didn't know that. The, the game designer? Yeah, I think he's a teacher from Calgary, actually. Dr. Cool. Gordon Hamilton. Gordon wow. is very Canadian, so... Yeah. There you go. If Thank you very much, Dr. Gordon Hamilton. Thank you. Thanks, Gord. Um, <laughs> I myself have played a, I don't know if I'd call it a class. I guess it's a classic. It's not as famous as, as the other classics like Monopoly or, uh, or Scrabble or, and, I was you gonna know, say, don't you dare say Scrabble or, or Clue. <laughs> um, it's a game. It's kind of funny because, um, a friend of ours was like, okay. How about we, uh, we try this one? Like, have you, do, do you own this game? And I was like, I do from my childhood. I, like, actually, I have the copy from when I was like five years old. So it's pretty beat up. Um, it's called Payday. <laughs> and it was kind of, oh man, it was kind of funny. Like, I, I, I do own a copy of a more recent version, not because I wanted it, but because I wanted it for school. I have the, like the bilingual version. So for, for the immersion, I wanted to have it. I, I never play it. I just own a new copy because my copy is like old and some pieces were missing and stuff. But anyway, so we decided to, to play that and we actually played two games in two nights. Um, it's not a great game. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a great game, but it was sort of like a, a nostalgic feeling. Um, it's sort of like playing shoots and ladders, right? You just roll a die, you land on a square, and you do whatever the square tells you or that, like, that, that box tells you to do. Uh, and if you're lucky enough, you're going to be able to, like, buy stuff and sell it later. You can actually, um, and you have to make some decisions, but, Mostly it's, it's luck from a die. We did have tons of fun though, because it just reminded us of, of our childhood and it's kind of easy to whip out and just like play for half an hour and then you're done. Uh, and it reminds you of when we're, you were young. Don't buy it. <laughs> it's kind of funny to say. I mean, don't buy a new copy of that game if you don't own it. Uh, it's, it's more of a nostalgic feeling than, than something I would recommend, but it was fun to play. Uh, and I feel like the image, the imagery from the old version is a lot nicer than the one from the new, the new version of it. I don't think I've played the old one, but I mean, the new one is like still a nineties print. I think, I don't think it's like a brand spanking new, right? I but, don't, I don't think so. No, but mine, mine's from the eighties. I would say early eighties, okay. late seventies. I mean, yeah. So. You got the white box with the green printing in the center kind of thing? Uh, yeah, it's a white box with, uh, like cartoonish characters. The, 
the main guy has a mustache. He's like very slim. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's like, yeah, I've got that. Like it's a blue box with like green writing on yellow background. And, uh, isn't it, isn't it a purple box? Purple. Sorry. Did I say blue? Yeah, the one I have is a, like the the newer version I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like yeah. I'm quoting right now. Uh, like it's not new, but uh is that version. So, yeah. I mean, it's this is a great game for like playing with kids. I know there's better games for kids in the gaming world too and the and gamers know that, but yeah, you know, it's simple. Roll the dice, read the thing. And the nostalgia is nice on it. It's actually a pretty cool, uh, it's a pretty cool classic game. I, I approve of this, uh, yeah. of this, uh, message. You know what, you know what's funny with this one is like, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to play, but you do, you still need to learn some rules. So that makes kids, uh, learn rules for games. And then like, it's sort of like a step between the games you want to play with them and the games you really don't want to play with them. Recently also, I played Milborn. There's no English name for that. It's like a card game. Um, it's a classic as well. It's a French classic, but, uh, you, you, it was available in English as well. And I played that a few months ago and I actually had a blast playing. It's, a, it's actually a, a great card game. So, um, yeah, some classics like that. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like playing them all the time, but I really, it's sort of the reason why I still own it is because I had a good feeling about it as a kid. So I kept it and I still own it. It's, I'm telling you, like the box is in a bad shape and there's like a promotion card in the, in the game. I didn't, I didn't even have the promotion card. I, we just used something, uh, like whenever we needed the promotion card, we, we were using just like a pawn or something. So, but anyway, it was kind of fun to play. So this is what I played that was different this week. Did you know, Monsieur Tardif? Probably. It's, it's actually ranked higher than Monopoly. That blows my mind. Like, yeah, but it's better. Not much though, like 20,762 Monopoly. Yeah. 20,731 Payday. And I uh, I don't know if it's better than Monopoly because I think it's better. It's uh, it, I don't know, that's tough. I think it's better. Uh I think the there's a lot of loopholes in Monopoly that don't exist in in Payday. That that's the thing. Like you could be playing Monopoly forever. No joke, you could be playing it forever if no one wants to trade cards. Like that's that's yeah. possible. You could never yeah. stop playing Monopoly. So it, there should be a me- mechanism like that that makes players if if you don't if you keep I don't know if you, like after I don't know this many turns certain amount you, of turns. Yeah, yeah you yeah. have like you can't go for more than without everyone More having 10 turns yeah, without having um three and yeah, of a building kind. a house yeah exactly so yeah, or yeah, stuff yeah. or you could like play and have one piece of land and that's that's possible or zero yeah. even like so they, i mean there's stuff like that that i don't know maybe you start monopoly with every single player has one piece of land from a different thing and uh, you just like uh, you just uh, distribute those cards at the beginning and that's it. Well, you know what? Here's a piece of encouragement for you and everybody that loves uh, Payday compared to Monopoly and what has come since. Monopoly came out in 1933. 
uh, and we consider it to be um, not as good of a game as Payday, apparently. Uh, and <laughs> Payday came out in 1975, so that means 42 years of innovation in board games gave us this 30-spot <laughs> difference from 20,762 to 20,731 on Board Game Geek. What will they do 40 years from today, they asked themselves as they put out Payday on the shelves. Uh, and then in 2015, we had such fantastic hits, such as Five Tribes. Yeah, but to be fair, look at what they did, for example, with uh, telev- uh, TV TV sets between the 50s and the 80s and then what they did between the 80s and now. So it's, uh, I guess we're like, it, it's exponential. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, obviously, technology is exponential, but I don't know if board game design is exponential. Maybe, well, yes, it's, it's because you have, access, you have access to the internet now. So like everything that exists, you have access to. So you can actually build on something that exists whereas back in the day i guess you needed like i know my 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 father for example and his family they probably didn't own a board game because they didn't have the money like today everyone can own a like a monopoly board game you can actually mm-hmm. buy it used in a value village for three bucks like it's it's possible to own board game board games even if you're very very not rich so uh and, yeah, and yeah. You, you can go online and play like stuff like BGA and so you do have access to a lot more so you have access to more um ideas I guess to make better games. So I I feel like it's it's exponential as well. Those of you who are keeping score and keeping me honest, Five Tribes came out in 2014, not 15. I made a mistake. The top games of 2015 were, of course, The Grizzled, XCOM, Tides of Time, Codenames, Blood Rage, Warhammer Quest, Star Wars Armada, and Time Story. So um, that's what they were imagining when they put Payday on the shelves in 1975. Uh. Anyway, pretty cool that we've, we've come this far uh, in the board gaming hobby, and there are some fantastic games that exist. So today, what are we talking about? Well, Luke, you know, he, uh, he loves to waste entire days of time playing a single board game that lasts 12 hours. I know that he does. He's told me before. Uh, so he said, let's talk about games that are longer than an hour. I would say that the average board game length probably nets out to something like a 45 to 50 minutes. There's a lot of 30 minute games. There's a ton of 40 and 45 minute games. There's a good chunk of one hour on the dot. And then after that, I think it kind of trails off. Now that doesn't mean that the quality of those games trail off, but there's just less of them. So your average board game, most people in their head have something like a 40 to 50 minute commitment, time commitment in their, in their mind, I would imagine. Um, and I would even say some people prefer having them lower down closer to the 30 or the 25 minute because they just lose interest in the game. Uh, and so I think the parallel is there. Sometimes you want to just watch a sitcom, something quick, nice and easy. It was fun. It was great. I can binge, meaning I can play twice in a row, three, three times in a row. I can play multiple games and I can feel good about that. Uh, but sometimes you want to sink your teeth into something. And a lot of longer games have more storytelling elements about them. They have more strategy in them, longer term strategy or strategic decisions you need to take. Uh, and I think that uh, that's why a lot of gamers end up liking slightly longer games in uh, uh, in their in their own collections. And I'm realizing that as I made this list, some of these games are within my top games of all time. Meaning that um, I guess I skew that direction as well. I, I do love playing games for a longer time if 
their games that I love, which is uh, kind of exactly the same point as Luc Deluxe when he talks about how much he hates Lord of the Rings. It's not the length, it's that any time with Lord of the Rings wouldn't be fun for him. I feel the same way about certain games that will be on Luke's list. Uh, I think that if we added up our total list uh, of length of game that Luke would far surpass me, and I say far surpass me because I believe there will be a game that I recently mentioned in my little rant here. But that's how, uh, that's what we thought we'd talk about. Longer games, games that are an hour or longer. For me, I tried to get past the number 60. Um, I didn't want it to be an hour or longer. I, and I, I said I would accept it if it was like I couldn't find anything else or whatever. I thought I might have a harder time than I did. Um, I ended up not putting anything with the number 60 on it. Exception, you'll, you'll see when we talk later. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, trying to get into the 90, the two hour, the four hour, some of those games, if possible. That's what I looked at it. And uh, if anything said it was like from 50 to hundred. So for example, I'll say an interesting one I wrote down was five tribes, small world and Yamatai. I'll say 40 to 80. Would 80 have been enough for me to get past 60? Of course. Would I consider that to be a longer game? Sure. But the whole 40 to 80 thing is probably more about player count than anything else. And the fact that it dipped into the 40 range, I said, I don't want to include them on my list, even though I, I very much love those games, but that's how I made my list. Nice. Uh, I did, I guess, something similar. I really wanted to avoid the games that were like sort of close to an hour because I tend to play them faster depending with who I'm playing. Uh, so I skipped games, for example, like Decrypto, which is supposed to be short, but I play for like two hours with a bunch of people. Uh, and Wingspan that if I play a two player version of it with, let's say, Sasha, it lasts half hour. But if I play with other people, we know it could last well over an hour and a half. Uh, time stories with which are like short games, but that you usually play a few in a row. Uh, Galaxy Trucker that I can also play like, a short version of Letters from White Chapel, same thing going, but the games I chose are are clear, are clearly over an hour, like no doubt. Also, um, I decided to um, just because it was not like some of our lists where I'm like, okay, it's the best games with animals. So I decided to avoid the games we mention all the time. Like I skipped, and I'm just gonna mention them games that. M- it would have been difficult to like make a list because it, like I have so many games like that that I love. Um, I skipped Five Tribes, Dinosaur Island, Root, uh, Scythe, Star Wars Rebellion, uh, Agricola, uh, Terra Mystica, Terraforming Mars, Spirit Island, and Small World. They're not on my list, even though they could wow. last over an hour. None of those are on my list. So okay, I just, so my my guess of your list is maybe a little different than I thought. <laughs> yeah, so I just decided to skip those games that we like I mentioned over and over in this podcast and I wanted to bring up I mean, of course, we did mention these games at some point but maybe for like 12 seconds or like a, a, a 2 minutes or 3 minutes. So I just uh I mentioned just yeah, I just wanted to bring up new games in my list on my list yeah i i went the other way where i said i don't care if i've mentioned it before because i think it's it's worth it uh i haven't mentioned these all that frequently save for one probably but um yeah and i i used what was written on the box so i didn't even interpret like oh i could play that faster because that's true and valid but um 
I don't know. I just in my mind thought if somebody's thinking, oh, is, if I read a box and it says 90, they usually trust it, even though it's not always perfect. So, yeah. And, and it's kind of funny because so, sometimes it goes one way and sometimes it goes the other way, like completely. Uh, sometimes you're like, man, this isn't like, there's no way I can play this in under the time or like around the time they said. And sometimes it's the exact opposite. You're like, it, like I, it says an hour, but I'm done in 35 minutes. So I guess, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. Anyway, so what's your number five, Sunshine Bits? My number five is a game I have spoken about before, uh, but I felt it merited a spot on this list. It is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. On the box, it says 90 plus minutes. I would wager that you could never get this down to 90 minutes if you actually wanted to try and solve the crime. But if you just were running willy-nilly uh, through the town and trying to, to, to beat your time score, um, then sure, you could get it under, underneath 90 minutes. But it's, it's usually a good two to three hour um, experience. And I call it an experience because it doesn't have a board. It doesn't have cards. It's just books. And you are learning and exploring and trying to solve a mystery and trying to beat the score of Sherlock Holmes. You can play solo. You know, bust out a nice glass of of cognac or or of uh, of some scotch or some bourbon, and uh, and and bust out all these books and read it slowly and try and figure it out yourself. Or you can play with as many people as you want. I, I would say that after six, seven, let's say it starts to get. Um, too many chefs in the kitchen, too many opinions about what's happening, and, and we don't have the great co cohesive direction that we might have. But if you wanted to play with you know, four or five people, it would be really easy to give different tasks, to have people read different things, to interpret it, to discuss, to try and find that perfect answer. And the quest for the perfect answer and to beat Sherlock Holmes is impossible, yet thrilling, and you want to always go back and try it again. Uh, really like this game. My number five, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. It's a good pick. Um, I almost put a, a sort of like detective game on my list, which would, uh, which would have been detective. <laughs> uh, I've only played once, but I had a great time. It goes online and everything, but I didn't. I just, uh, I, I skipped that one. It was super hard to make a list because I, you know, I have a, a lot of long games, um, and that I love them. I just feel like they give me. I like when I'm stressed out by the end of a game, when I'm like, okay, I could do this, but I could do that. I could, uh, what am I going to do to like, I'm, I'm, I'm trailing. I need to like win and I'm, I have to like do something to get back on top. But anyway, so that's what I like about long games. Uh, my number five is, um, first time I heard of it, um, the, the person who talked about it or it was an article and the person said, I might have found the most complicated game ever. <laughs> and, uh, ever. Yeah. Though that the person said that I didn't, I, I don't agree. I mean, I'm, I don't disagree. I don't agree. I know it's a very complicated game. I haven't played, for example, Twilight Imperium. I know I've played Civilization, uh, Sid Meier Civilization, which is a fairly complicated game to start. Uh, so it's in the same league. Uh, Civilization could have been on my list. I didn't put it on my list, but it was, it's in the special mentions. But this number five is a game called Feudum. Feudum is a, an absolute gorgeous game 
So if uh, you go look it up online, there's like uh, little monster, wooden monsters. Um, th- the pawns are uh, dice looking and they have like, I-, I love the iconography on this one. Um, honestly, it's a super difficult game to explain because there's some war, but it's a hand management game and it's a resource management game. Um, whatever you do, uh, you have to be careful because whatever you do affects some other actions. And it's sort of like a, um, whenever you, you play an action, it affects whatever is the next action over on the board because your little pieces will move to the next square, which is in, the, so it's, it's kind of difficult to explain, but there's a very, very good video about it. If ever, like that's something that interests you. Um, the, the actual company, they made a video. It's, uh, narr- narrated, uh, by a, by someone from England. You can tell by the English accent. Uh, and it's, it's actually very well done. Um, it's, uh, they, like it, it's, um, uh, looking Luke, for my word. We talked about this. Do not speak French on the English versions. Ah, uh, I can't help it. I can't help it. No, so, yeah, so, uh, they, like, it's sort of like a cartoon they made with, uh, with the board game. So they, they're explaining the whole thing. Honestly, the first time I played, cause I played thrice, which is my favorite word in English. Nice. I played thrice. And the first time I played, it took well over an hour to, because someone explained the rules to me. So it, it took at least an hour and a half, I would say, uh, to understand. And I'm like quoting again. Like I have, <laughs> what do you say? Like using quotations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Cause, uh, Jake can see me, but you can't. <laughs> so he's giving me the finger. Yes, exactly. And he, <laughs> he's smiling. Uh, now he's biting his thumb. Exactly, exactly. Now I'm scratching my head. <laughs> that's a, that's not your head. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, nice. So, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. So it took well over an hour and a half. And then you don't understand that much un- until you start playing it. And again, there's some war components to it. You're going to like be fighting against one another, but you are, you'll also, you're also exploring a map. Um, you're also, again, it's hand management, it's resource management. It's a very complex game, but it's very satisfying to play. That being said, on the website or on BGG or on the box, they say it's between 80 to 180 minutes. And I would say 180 minutes would be if you're playing a two-player game. Because <laughs> we played a four-player game and it took over four hours. Easily, oh my gosh. easily over four hours. Uh, of course, we were all beginners at the game, so it could go faster as you go. But it's a very long game. It's a very strategic game. Um, so it's a game called Feudum that came out in 2017. And the funny part about it is that I think there's like six or seven expansions. It's like, why? <laughs> I mean, they look awesome. Oh, wh- the cool thing about the expansion is that you can place the boxes next to each other and it's like, it creates a big, a big picture. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they, they fit together. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice. Sort of like, uh, the cards in, uh, Jamaica. 
where you can put the cards. Mm, yeah. Like you can like it, it's a, a long row of I think it's twelve cards, but it makes a long image. Uh, they yeah. do that with the they did that with the box, so it's pretty cool. Cool. The boxes, I would I should say. So my number five is Feudum. Haven't played. Probably will not play. I can only imagine. Somebody tells me that they played a four-hour-long game. <laughs> that, uh, it better be real good to keep my interest for four hours, but uh, there you go. Um, my number four is a dice game and or a worker placement game. It's not really considered worker placement anymore, but when there were less worker placement games, it definitely got uh, it made people's lists for their favorite. It is called Kingsburg. Um, on the box, Kingsburg says it is 90 minutes long. Um, and I would agree that it is not, uh, it's not short because there, oh, so shout out to my colleague who is not listening. No way he's listening, but we used to try and play this game in a lunch hour and we would leave our desks five minutes early and like get back to work 10 minutes late and couldn't get it done. And we'd always be like, Okay, let's just like leave everything set up, but then you're worried that you know, like the cleaning people will come and and and, and lose it by accident. Um, so we never finished a game in uh, at work, but it is a really cool game. You are rolling dice and you are trying to place them on different numbers. The different numbers represent different people in the kingdom that can give you a variety of different resources, uh, which help you to purchase uh, certain things, including upgrading your skill tree. Everyone has a card in front of them, a little mini player board um, that has a different skill trees you can develop that will help you to have more um, powers to do certain things compared to other players. And you are slowly going through a variety of seasons in a couple of years. And each season has slightly different elements that happen uh, during, you know, who rolls, who does somebody get an extra uh, uh, die or an extra uh, an extra piece of resources. And then at the end of the year, when you do the four seasons, you have to fight a boss. And you do that over a number of different years. So I guess you could say, let's just do two years or something and not the full game if you wanted to, to scale it back. Maybe that's what we should have done. Uh, but that's never really feels good when you know the whole game a lot of beauty can play out in those last couple of years because the skill trees open up and people have varying powers that allow them to do uh, certain uh, things differently. So cool game. They reprinted it about a uh, decade after it first came out. I have the original copy um, and it's tons of fun. You're, you're, you're rolling the dice, but all that really does is it says, where can my workers possibly go? You get to calculate, do I want to combine them and grab somebody that's worth 13 or 16, or do I want to split them up and take a five and a three? And, a, and, and if you don't get there first, you don't get that worker. So you're constantly thinking, well, what if I, I think he's going to go for the three, so I'll take my five and three and make it an eight instead. And so it's um pretty cool tug of war of who can go where with their dice to create what resources or what other um you know pieces of um of weaponry or armor that you can use when you go into fighting. So really cool game. Uh, I haven't played it in a long time actually, and it I'm itching to bust this out and play it again. It's tons of fun. Kingsburg, my number four. Nice. Uh, my number four is a I. Th- think you played it. I'm pretty sure you did play it. Um, I sort of hesitated because there's like, uh, that game has a little cousin, I would say. Not a little brother, but a little cousin. Uh, a lot of people say they're very similar. I think they have some similarities. The first of them being the same designer. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I would say the time component is something in both. But I think they're very different games. Anyway, they're both great games, but I picked the 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 oldest one which is Tsalkin the second one would have been Teotihuacan mm. Teotihuacan uh which is also a great game uh, Tsalkin is a worker placement game 
but also resource management game, uh, which usually they, they often come together. Uh, worker placement games often have resources. Um, what I like about this game, it's not a typical uh, worker placement game where you just put down your pawn and say, I'm taking this action and I'm blocking you. Um, you play a pawn or a little wooden thing <laughs> and uh, you put it on a wheel that every at the end of every t uh, round i would say round yeah because everyone plays once so it's a round at the end of or every turn uh, once every everyone has played a turn you rotate you rotate it one turn or one uh cog because it's like it's it's a mechanism the yeah the, yeah exactly so you move it forward or uh, clockwise one one cog or one gear i guess um And this is and on your next turn, you're going to either take your pawns or place new ones. But you really have to think because the more pawns you put down on the board it, during one turn, the more corn, which is food also, you have to pay. So when you, when you place only one pawn, it costs nothing unless... You place it, it's kind of very difficult to explain without the visual, but, um, if you place it on the lowest spot or the, the, yeah, on the lowest spot on the wheel, it costs nothing. But if ever the first spot on the wheel is taken, you have to place it on the second spot. And then there's like numbers on the, uh, on the outside of the wheel that say, oh, you need to play, to pay one corn. And then if you place it on a third, then it's two corns and, and so on and so on. Um, So, but if you place more pawns as well, you have to pay more corn. So you really have to think about how many actions do I want or how many pawns do I want to put down on the wheel in one turn? Because this is going to cost me a lot of corn, which is food, which you have to pay four times during the game. So you have to feed your workers four times. So you also have to think, do I want to have more than three workers at a time uh, or during the game? But at the same time, those workers will be giving you points at the end. So it's a typical worker placement game where you have to think about feeding your workers. But on your turn, on any given turn, you're either putting down pawns or taking pawns. And when you're taking workers is when the action is taking place. So it's not when you put them down. So they do move up the wheel as you go. You can't place and take during the same turn. And that's, that's very frustrating at times. You really have to think forward. And if you let them go too far, you lose them. Because if when they, they, they go past a certain place on the wheel, You lose them. So you do have to take the action at some point. Also, some places on the wheels, if someone has done like, or has taken that action before you, you, you can't do it ever again in the game. Um, there are some places where you're going to have tons of wood or tons of, of corn, but then they like the stock is depleted and they, there's no more uh, corn in that location and there's no more wood in that location. I thought it was a very great game, but honestly, advanced players are a lot, a lot, a lot better than uh, a beginner in this game. So if you're playing as a beginner against someone very experienced, 
just know that you're going to get your ass kicked on your first game. So my number four is a great game uh, called Sulkin and on BGG. Bajiji, they Bajiji, they say it lasts 90 minutes. I would say more. Okay, I would say more. So, I, I like this game when we played it. Uh, I didn't love it, but I liked it and to the point where I wanted to retry, replay it one time and see, you know, what, is this good or is it not, or do I actually like it? Because I like worker placement games. I like the idea and the, and the management of people and resources and all that. Um, and then I sold it because I was like, this is never going to hit the table. I'm not going to convince anybody else in my life to play this except for Luke. So I'll just wait till I see him next, uh, which ended up being a lot longer than we thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I, I want to give it another chance, but um, I, I, I already had noticed that the experienced players were whooping us and that was less fun. So I guess you just got to suck it up and just keep playing. So there you go. My number three is a game that I have mentioned uh, multiple times. Uh, notably i mentioned it on our very first episode uh and it is a game by the name of letters from Whitechapel. um on the box it says one plus hours so this is my exception where i said i tried to not have anything says 60 minutes on it well that little plus sign saved this game's bacon and allowed it to be part of this list uh because you know what i don't really believe it to be a one hour game if you play with a bunch of people that have played multiple times um you can get it down to that 60 minutes, I, I feel. I really do. Um, but if you're actually playing all of the nights and you're playing with people that have played once or twice or even a new person, and obviously any new person, you always put them in with the bobbies, um, it creates discussion. People are thinking, well, could he be there? Could he be there? And, and then there's always that moment where they're thinking, you know, um, no, stop whispering so loud. He hears us, <laughs> you know, like it's really cool. And I guess I should explain it uh, briefly rather than just talking about it. It is a cat and mouse type of game, a hidden role uh, game, uh, not hidden role, but um, uh, the hidden, my, my, my role is known. I'm Jack the Ripper, but I'm hidden. I, my movement is hidden. my hidden movement. Um, and you're trying to you're, you've killed these women and you're trying to get back to your lair and the bobbies are trying to chase you and they're following the scent. They're, they're able to see where you used to be, uh, or at least if you had ever been at a certain place on the map. And so they're working together collaboratively um, to try to catch you. There are other games that have implemented this, such as Fury of Dracula that I have not gotten around to playing yet, but I would love to. Um, and, uh, and there's a couple other that have reversed this too, like, um, I can't remember what it's called, um, Escape from the Aliens and Out of Space or something like that. So I love this game. Love Jack the Ripper theme. Love Victorian England theme. I love the uh, all versus one uh, and the hidden movement of it. It's a really great game. And I have, would have a hard time getting this down to 60 minutes, which is why I think they put the one plus. I think this is easily a, a 90 minute game. Uh, but yeah, my number three, Letters from Whitechapel. Yeah, the main reason why I didn't put it on my list is because I, I, I was able to play it under an hour. So I, it's kind of, that game has a weird thing, um, about the rules. You know, like there's like two big, I haven't played in a while, but there's two big sections in, the, in like your actions, whatever you're doing. And the first section is kind of weird to understand until you've played like a, a third of a game. Like you're doing stuff and you don't really know why you're doing that. It says, yeah, do this and that and this and that, but they don't really explain why until they don't explain why. So you're just doing that and you're like, why, why am I doing this? Then 
you play and then after a few turns you're like oh that is why we do that and mm-hmm. it, i don't like it's kind of funny because i can't remember what it is but i remember there's like two sections there's then the first section you don't really get until you play the game so last time i played i think was with you so it was a while ago uh but it's oh, wow. a it's it's a good it's a great game it's a super good game yeah, I think that the book kind of divides it up into the kind of um, setting the table of the game and then actually playing the game. And so you feel like you're prepping, but you're like, why am I doing this prep work? Um, so it's not well written, in my opinion. Uh, but if you know it, then you can explain it better. And actually, there's a there's a cool channel, uh, or I don't even know if it's a channel, but it's like um, a show that's part of the Dice Tower called Teach the Teach. I've seen a couple of... Um, of their episodes and uh, it's kind of cool. They, they, they take a game and they teach you how to properly teach it to somebody rather than just like reading the rule book out loud. And I think that would be a, a great example of, you know, give people context as to why they're doing the things they're doing. And it's important. Yeah. Nice. Uh, my number three is, is like, I'm going to, I'm going to name two games because they're basically the same game, except for like a, a few rules. Um, it's Raiders of Scythia and Raiders of the North Sea. That being said, I could have named, and that's the problem. I could like in, in this spot, I could have placed a lot of Shem Phillips games. Um, I wanted to, I was like juggling between architects of the West Kingdom, paladins of the West Kingdom, like any of the West Kingdom, uh, Raiders of Scythia, Raiders of the North Sea. They're all great games w- in which I have a very similar, similar feeling when I'm playing them. Um, so I picked this one, but honestly, if I made a list next week, it could be Ar- Architects of the West Kingdom or Paladins of, of the Next Kingdom of the Next of the West Kingdom <laughs> of the Next Kingdom. That's they're, the new series. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Of the Next Kingdom. Um, they're all great games. Um, in both, uh, there's something very interesting where you're like going to be taking two actions uh, when it's your turn. You place down uh, your worker, you play that action, and then you pick a worker from the board. So you really have to be careful what you're leaving for other players because not all workers were born equal in that game. <laughs> Basically, uh, the the I don't remember the colors of like the basic workers, but let's say your basic worker is a blue worker. Everyone has a blue worker to start the game. Uh, as you go, you're going to want to collect like the black workers, which like do a lot more than the blue workers. And the, the green workers do more than both of the first ones. So you really, wherever you want to play an action, um, you have to, Really, really look if you want to leave the gray worker for the next player over to be able to play that action. So that's something I like. If you like worker placement games, again, I love worker placement games, obviously. Um, this is a great one. And also what I like about Shem Phillips games in general, if you've played, I'm not talking about Raider, I'm not talking about Raiders of Scythia here because it, it was made by a d- different artist, but all his games in the North Sea and West Kingdom uh, series were uh, drawn by the same artist. I think it's someone McDonald. I can't think of the name. I'm not a hundred percent sure right now. I think it's McDonald. I have no, I don't have it in that right. But anyway, I think it's someone McDonald. Uh, and the iconography is the same. So if you know the icons from, let's say Raiders of Sith, uh, Raiders of the North Sea and you play Paladins of the West Kingdom, 
The icons are the same, so you know what they mean already before you even start reading the rules. So that's a pretty cool, pretty cool um, thing they did there between the games uh, of the same designer. So I, I like that that part. So my number three, and I've talked about that game a bit more, and I think I've talked about it once I played it the first time, so I'm not going to go over and over about it, but a great game, Raiders of Scythia or Raiders of the North. Cool. Uh, I think, which one did I play with you, North Sea? Uh, is it the one you played with me? I think it was Explorers. Pick up and deliver. Uh, yeah, okay, Explorers okay. in the North Sea. It was not. Okay. It was not Raiders of the North Sea. It was Explorers of the North Sea, which is a bit Carcassonne. <laughs> yeah, that you're right. <laughs> yeah, I should you have thought could. of that. It's not worker placement. Yeah, because yeah, you're you're like building a map. It's it's also it's it's still a great game, but you're building a map as you go, and you're going with your. Do they they have a name for like Viking boats? <laughs> um, in I English, don't know. do 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 they? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. Is, Probably is it, in French. Is there a name for Viking boats? You didn't. You don't allow me to say French words on this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, I censor you. I <laughs> silence you. You, you did say that earlier <laughs> in this same oh, podcast, I, this same episode. Anyway, so uh, Viking Viking ship. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Vessel. <laughs> These are just other generic words. But anyway, you're gonna go with your little Vikings, and you're going to different islands to. Uh, you're trying to get uh, resources and animals that you're gonna gather to get, and then bring back to the mainland. And they give you points at the end of the game. Uh, you're gonna be fighting with uh, some I camps, I guess, on the map. So you're making points that way. It's a pretty cool game, but it's that would not that game though would is just a, to me it's just a tiny bit not as good as the other ones I mentioned. But they're still a great. It's still a great game. I love it. I own it, and I I will play it whenever. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're down to number two already. Number two. Um, my number two, according to the box, is 120 minutes. Uh, I think that's about accurate, especially depending on your player count. Uh, and it is a game by the name of Power Grid Deluxe. So I have the deluxe version, Europe and North America. Uh, and I really, really, really like this game. For those who have not played this game, you are creating, surprise, surprise, a power grid. You're creating a network of different power plants across either North America or Europe in the deluxe version, but they have other maps uh, that you can purchase if you'd like to. Um, and after every turn, you are, during every turn, you are um, bidding, a very interesting um, um, mechanic for the um, uh, the auction. And you are taking a new card that it can help generate energy and you need to generate energy that gives you certain resources that are energy that you need to use to pay to fuel your power plant. And slowly as the game moves on, you're trying to have more efficient and higher power uh, uh, and energy types that you can use in your power plants. And you're trying to expand your network as far as you can and have the most amount of power grids as possible. After a certain number, I think it's 16 power uh, plants, that and once somebody has that many, that is the last round. And then we see who can power their power plants. So you can have the most plants built, but if you don't have enough energy to power all of your plants, uh, you will lose if somebody can do more 
then you. That sounds like that could take 10 minutes to do. It doesn't. It's a pretty long game. The stages uh, are lengthy. The auction can take a little more time than you would imagine. Um, and people will do a lot of strategic thinking. There's some analysis paralysis here of how far can I go because you're looking at the numbers in the different cities. You have to add up how much it will cost you to go to a different city. Think of a Ticket to Ride style map or style game. And it's not just I have five red trains, but uh, if I want to go to Chicago, it'll cost me 10, but I also need to bypass Cleveland and that costs me eight. So that's 18. So people are adding up different values all over and thinking, how much money do I have? How much should I spend now? How much should I um, conserve? Uh, and what kind of energy resources can I get? Can I get the renewable one that doesn't cost me anything to, have to, to power some? But is that going to be enough to power my 16 when I get there? Shouldn't I go nuclear? Um, fantastic game. Really cool. I, I, I really love Ticket to Ride, as you all know. So that gives me that Ticket to Ride vibe because you're building a network, like the same... I just love playing games with large uh, maps of of regions or, or 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 you know the world or whatever and and kind of globe trotting or moving around and seeing the different cities and how they connect. Uh, I've always loved that. I studied geography in university. I always love just opening up maps and looking at them. So I think that's one of the reasons I love it. But the economic part of this game is fantastic, top notch. Um, really enjoy it. I enjoy every time I play, win or lose. Um, and I, I would play again right now if somebody would ask me to. So my number two, Power Grid Deluxe. And you're right about this game being uh, somewhat like a, a Ticket to Ride feeling. There's a little feeling. Uh, it's basically if they made Ticket to Ride a great game, it would be Power Grid. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would say that Ticket to Ride is already... A great game. Okay, so then if they made Ticket to Ride a wonderful game, uh, it would be Power Grid. Um, I like Ticket to Ride. I just, I mean, it's it's nice to play once in a while, but uh, Power Grid is an absolute gem, I think. It's a game, it's one of these, these games that I absolutely love, but never play enough. Uh, I don't remember the last time I played. I think the main reason for that is that is it, it is a long game and it's a three or more player game. You can actually play a two-player game, but I think it's a cartel thing. Uh, you like yeah, there's don't a, do it. Yeah, it's, it's I hate those special rules for games. I feel like when you play a solo or a two-player version of a game, oh, they can have a, a little bit of differences. Like for example, Tokaido. If you like Tokaido, you have, like there's an extra pawn that you play, and I, I mean it doesn't add, it doesn't complicate the game. It's not like a second rule book that you have to read uh it's just like one little paragraph and you're like okay those are the adjustments nice we play the two-player game now um yeah so anyway i think it's a great game but last time i played was at least two years ago at least wow maybe uh, with me but it's number two on my list Yes, crossover on the same number again. <laughs> yes, yes, it's number two on my list. So, uh, great pick. I have the deluxe version as well. Uh, it's also a game I don't play enough. And uh, yeah, it, it kind of sucks that I don't play it enough. But yeah, it, it's a great, well, great game. Let's maybe set up a game of that and do your little Skype thing. If it doesn't exist on on board uh, tabletop or whatever, simulator or, or Steam. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 we can do that. Uh, we just have to find a third person who owns it. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Yes. Or fantastic point, Luke. Someone that lives with you that wants to play. Yes, or you. <laughs> Probably more likely that mm, happening. Uh, no. 
actually. Okay. It, it's more likely <laughs> happening on your side. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Um, actually, Luke, you're the one who picked up my copy for me. Uh, it was a used copy, which it really nothing had been taken out of the wrapping except for the actual box itself. And I am pretty sure. And you got it here in Ottawa before I lived in Ottawa and you delivered it to me in Montreal when I was visiting in Montreal. Do you remember? I didn't remember that's what I delivered to you, but I remember delivering something to you, but I don't remember. Okay. It might have been a couple things and including that. So yeah, it's a, I, I played it with you the first time and I was like, this is off the chart. This is one of my favorite games of all time. So oh. I'm, I really love it. Yeah. It, it's it. And it's, it's not odd. I wouldn't say odd, but it's sort of, uh, that it, it it's, it's sort of like an old new game. And uh, around that time, I feel like the games weren't, as great as they are today so w even though it's not that old uh but it, it is i mean it, it went like it went through time and it it's it's still just as good today as it was back then so number two power grid deluxe what's your number one My number one is a game that Luke already mentioned today. Not on his list. Don't be crazy. Um, no, he mentioned that it wouldn't be on his list for his reason, which I disagree with. Um, Five tries. My number one is Time Stories. Time Stories, okay. So yeah. Time Stories on the box says 90 minutes per session. I would agree with that for the first session and potentially the second session, but then it kind of tapers off because you remember certain things. You, If you don't know the game... It is like a choose your own adventure game. There's a scenario, there's a context that is given. Uh, they set the table with this story and you need to go somewhere in time. It's a time travel game and find the, the solution to a certain problem. Find a person, find who killed who, whatever. Uh, and when you're first going through, you're, you're thinking, okay, should we go over here? Should we go over there? You're remembering your powers. You're remembering your characters. You're like, uh, oh, I, oh yeah, I have this. We should go to this room and maybe we'll find something. And you'll turn over a card. So the, the board is completely white. There's nothing on the board. It comes with a set of cards that you kind of paint a picture, literally paints uh, a scene with the cards. And you're choosing what part of the room you want to go to. Very thematic, very context-driven. Um, and all of a sudden you flip over a card and, oh, there's a zombie and it ate you and you're dead. So... Sometimes the sessions can be shorter than the 90 minutes, but I think on average they are. And I would wager that you don't want to ideally separate beginning to end of this game. We've done it before, Luke and I, uh, at least one time when we played one scenario, we, we have like put it away. It's got a great save functionality, if you want to call it that. So you put it away and you bust it back out. But I think it's that type of game where you're like, let's let's get this done. Let's finish this story. And the second time we played, we we played it right through. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, a, and because of that, it's much longer than 90 minutes. I think it's a good solid three hour, again, experience. Some of the sessions are shorter because you're, you're flying through them more quickly. But it, in totality, the game ends up being three hours. You might say, well, why don't put Pandemic Legacy on here? Or why don't put any other legacy games? I don't think Time Stories is a legacy game. I think time stories are, um, it's like a movie. It's a story that's being played out. It's like a book. You're reading it through and finding the, and finding the solution. Yes. You're replaying and replaying like a legacy game and yes, legacy games evolve and develop. I don't think in any way they're as, uh, in depth in their story development and, and changes than time stories scenarios. I haven't played all games out there. I haven't played all legacy games out there. So please stop sending me hate mail about things I say, but, but I think time stories hate mails about other things. 
Yes, everything else. Uh, I, I, Time Stories, I think, is a three-hour experience, in my opinion-ish. So I would put it on uh, on uh, on this list, and I did. It is my number one, and I'm itching to play another scenario, Luke, Time Stories. It was actually on my list at first, and I just took it off. Be- not because like, – for the reasons I mentioned. So I'm not like – I'm not mad. <laughs> like I, I, I wouldn't argue with you saying that or you shouldn't have put it on your list. I just felt like it's one of these games where it, it, it yeah, it can be a like 45, 50 minute game if you just play one round and that's it. Or it could be, yeah, I prefer, I personally prefer playing the whole thing through in one set. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I guess not everyone's built the same, so it's not, they say 90 minutes, but I, I feel like it's very generic depending on what you're playing and how you play it. You could die very quickly, uh, and go back exactly. to get to the base. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't give tons of weight or value to the 90 minute per session. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm totally agree with you. And if, if you're thinking about trying this with somebody, try to prepare them mentally that they're going into a long, experience because if you go in being like yeah let's just try it out they're going to get tired and once they die once they're going to say yeah that let's just stop doing this but if if you want to get to the end you got to convince people early you got to tell them this is a game where we're going to redo the certain parts of the games over and over again we're trying to solve a mystery it's going to take three hours that's the best way to consume it in my opinion so that's why i let it on the list also there's a there's a little part where it could be frustrating i remember um when we had figured out one of the stories and then uh, we just got to like we were very close to the end and we died so we had to go back to the beginning but we knew exactly what to do to get there Mm -hmm, so we just mm -hmm, decided mm -hmm. okay we'll just mark that we lost once there and then we'll just go back exactly to where and we will start with whatever we had at that point in the story and we'll try again because we didn't need to go through the whole thing again. We knew exactly what to do. So Yeah, that, that, that's a certain weakness that happens probably every once in a while when you play yeah. the scenarios. Yeah. But so far, I have to admit, so far the best scenario I've played is the scenario that comes with the bar with the box. The one I haven't played, so Yeah. I so but it. but actually I could play with you because it's been like four years now. I don't I I remember uh-huh. I remember like the main story ish, but I don't remember where to go or stuff so i could okay. play it again yeah cool so it's a it's a, a possibility uh, my number one is a game you will hate called gaia project uh gaia okay. project yeah because gaia project is very very similar to terra mystica <laughs> so very similar it's made by the exact same designers it's set in space instead of set in a, a like fantastic world uh, yeah, somebody and uh, a board game producer was like, "Hey, I, I heard Luke Tardif is into space games now. Yeah, we, we should take his favorite game, Terra Mystica, and make it a space game. He's sure <laughs> to buy it." Uh, Terra Mystica is one of my favorite games. Uh, it's like at some point I wasn't sure if it was gonna uh, it was gonna be number one over Agricola. Now, mm-hmm. like, I have a few games that are close there, like. Agricola, Terra Mystica, uh, Scythe, Terraforming Mars, they're like all close together around number one. And I keep saying it's Agricola. Maybe it's not, but it's close. Like it's, it's one of these games that are, that is number one. But that being said, Pro- Gaia Project is honestly, I like it as much as I like Terra Mystica. There's a few different rules. Uh, 
It is a worker placement game, I guess, at some point, because you need to place some of your pawn somewhere to do something. There's more than that. You're going to go up uh, little temples on on the right, but uh, like oh, in Terra Mystica, but in in Gaia Project, you're going up little like ladders. I don't know what what they're called in this game. I don't remember what they're called because I haven't played in a while because I'm we're we're in the middle of a pandemic and you don't have all the same players to play with. But uh, you're building sort of like your empire in space. You're going from planet to planet. If you like Terra Mystica, you will like um, uh, Gaia Project. Actually, today, this morning, I bought the the Steam version of the game that came out in the past month. Uh, there's a 25% sale on it right now, so it was like 21 Canadian dollars. So I just said, I'll just buy it and play against the computer. I didn't play today, but... And one thing I like about both of these games, Gaia Project and Terra Mystica, is... Uh, something that I love about a game like Root, for example, where every people has very different abilities. It, it's not as different as, uh, the people, like different peoples in, in Root, but you, if you're playing against, I don't remember the name of the peoples. I'm sorry for like the, the Gaia project geeks, but let's say you're playing these Martians and then you're playing the humans. I'm just saying names like they're not the actual names from the game, but you're playing the humans. I'm playing the Martians. Um, uh, I, it will be different than if, if you're playing, uh, the, I don't know, the robots and I'm playing the Martians. So like, I don't, I can't play against you the same way I would because you're not doing the same thing. Uh, you're not evolving on the map the same way. So it's pretty cool that way. Uh, and every single board, like when you're choosing a people, it has two sides. So there's tons to choose from. I think there's like at least 12 different people, but I think it's more than that. I, it might be 16. Anyway, there's, a, there's a ton of different peoples that you can pick from. Um, I love this game. It's uh it's it's a great game. So I feel like the main problem with it is that it's kind of expensive. Uh I think it I paid close to 100 bucks for this game. So yeah. So brand new. Wow. Brand brand spanking new. Gaia Project is quite expensive. Um it's also quite long. Uh they say on the box. How long is it? Gaia project. It says, yeah, an hour to 150 minutes. I would say it's closer to 150 minutes than an hour. So Gaia project, my number one. There you have it, folks. Our top five games that are an hour or longer or longer than an hour, I guess is what we'll call it. Um, uh, longer games. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure out a name for it. So what did you think? What did you think of our lists? Are they good? Are they bad? We have honorable mentions. I do at least Luke, if I don't know if you do. Yeah, go ahead. I'll just fire off a list. Not going to talk about them. Elder Sign, I obviously have talked about that too many times, so that one definitely fell off. Otherwise, the rest I was fine to if I've mentioned them before. Power Grid Factory Manager was 60. Fresco, Witch of Salem, Rum and Bones, Cargo Noir was 90. Uh, Battle Lore, Ghost Stories, uh, Pillars of the Earth, 90 to 120 minutes. Turn and Taxis, which I like quite a bit, uh, which I don't believe could actually ever be an hour. But anyway... Um, and the ones I haven't played, but I want to, Fury of Dracula, 
The Others, Shadows Over Camelot, Pret-a-Porte, which I'll pronounce uh, in English, and Grand Austria Hotel. So some pretty awesome games on the docket, so to speak. I said that to Luke. I said, it's too bad we're doing this now because of the pandemic. I haven't had the chance to play some of the games I've acquired that are longer that I'm really itching to play. And those five are probably some of my top longer games I really want to try. Um, so on my honorable mention list, um, Anachrony Civilization, Sid Meier Civilization. There's like another, there's a different one that's not as good. Uh, Dead of Winter, Detective Keyflower, uh, Mansions of Madness. I have the name in French in front of me. So I was just like, what is it? Lewis and Clark, Modern Art. Um, Prêt à porter Stone Age, which is like, close to the 60 mark so i didn't i didn't even mention it but uh tidal blades viscounts of the west kingdom uh viticulture and mer I, I have no clue how to pronounce this next game m y r m e s mirmes mermes cannot help you meyer meyer mels i have Mir- no clue how to pronounce Mirms. it yeah mirms i don't know that one so yeah uh, there you go. Thank you so much for listening to us. Let us know if we're crazy, if these games suck, if there's other games that you would put on your list or what your list would be. Oh, a piece of news for those Ticket to Ride fans, since we mentioned Ticket to Ride already. There will be a brand new Ticket to Ride game coming out called Ticket to Ride Track Switcher. It seems to be a 3D puzzle game, solo puzzle game. So if you're a fan of the Rush Hour series, seems like it's kind of in that vain so there's your little t- uh, little piece of board game news uh today but otherwise uh if you think of anything else you want to let us know and how terrible we are and how our lists were awful and why do we exist and why do we waste all of our time doing this podcast please write to us on instagram facebook facebook messenger uh for all insults please write directly to luke and for all compliments i'm right here my name is jake and this is my buddy Yes. Oh, before we go, I just wanted to say we're very happy. We're very happy when we receive uh, your lists. Uh, I, I I think it's very interesting. We learn a lot. I, I can't mention them all this week because uh, I forgot to, to bring them with me. But uh, we have a few uh, listeners that send us their lists. So please keep doing so. Uh, and until next time, this was Luke. <laughs> and this is Jake, and you've been listening to our board game podcast, Menage a Deux. Goodbye. <laughs>